Hey, it's me, Kelly Anakin. I'm talking about Showtime's hit series, Yellow Jackets, one episode at a time with some of the funniest people I know. Let's find out what happens when people stop being polite and start getting eaten. Welcome to Blood Hive. Welcome back. I'm joined today in my virtual studio by our first guest, Genevieve Rice, who's a comedian, writer, and TV enthusiast living in Phoenix. Genevieve, great to have you here. Ah, oh, thanks for having me. I think we've only talked online, so it's really exciting to like actually be doing something. We're we're doing something. Yeah, we're uh, we're recording in my bathroom right now. So amazing, <laughs> squeaky clean, love it. <laughs> and my second guest is a New York City based writer and stand up comedian who also co hosts the popular LGBTQ podcast Diking Out. Everybody, welcome Carolyn Bergier. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to talk about Yellow Jackets, and you know, I was really hoping to be on my period for this, um, but unfortunately, <laughs> it is distracting. Yeah. Oh, I'm so sorry. God, it's so frustrating. The blood hive of it all. Well, <laughs> I'm guessing since your podcast is called Diking Out, you haven't been fucking Jeff behind anybody's back. No, no. Okay. okay. So we can at least we can rest easy on yeah, that. Yeah, rule me out as a suspect. Okay, great. Great. <laughs> so we are here to talk about Yellow Jackets episode four, Bear Down which I originally assumed would be about a bear. Um, that is not where the title comes from. We'll get into that disgusting detail here in just a few minutes. So before we kick it off, I would love to know from both of you, what is your Yellow Jackets origin story? How did you find this delightful tale of backstabbing cannibals? I mean, I'll say that I saw a writer who was uh, a guest on my podcast, but they're also an editor at Autostraddle, which is like a popular LGBTQ, mostly focus on uh, queer women, non-binary folks website. And they were recapping Yellow Jackets. So they got the episodes in advance and were just tweeting about how excited they were about this show. So I went into it blind, not knowing anything. And then I was so excited uh, to see like who the cast was as I was watching it and was like, oh my gosh, no wonder this person was so excited. And then knowing that it was about a uh, high school soccer team, I'm like, okay, there's going to be gay stuff in it so mm -hmm. that got me on board but another thing that I want to mention that I just realized today is that the theme song which I've been digging so much like I do not fast forward through it I love it the singer and one of the composers for it uh and I don't know if this gets discussed on a previous episode of this but um is the singer of a 90s band called That Dog and That Dog is the first band I ever saw in concert <laughs> wow <laughs> oh my god that is amazing a I didn't know that and b what a cool story so they broke up for a while and they came back recently with an album it's a um like Maya Rudolph was actually part of the band originally and then left 
to go do comedy oh, wow. and focus on comedy. And then they went on tour. But anyway, I'm like, oh, no wonder I love this song so much. I love this musician. Yeah, love everything about it. That is such helpful information because I haven't been able to find the theme on Spotify. It's not on their playlist. Yeah. And I don't know if it's been commercially released, but I get it stuck in my head constantly. Right. So it was composed just for the show. I thought that must be the case. So it has, it's got such an authentic feel. Yeah. I really like the, uh, I, I like the visuals of it too, with just kind of, it looks like almost like a, like a horror yeah. movie basically, or like a really edgy, like nineties, you know, like music video. For sure. And definitely it was that time when people were starting to get, I feel like very, arty with their music videos and things were getting like very high concept so it's definitely in that vein um i'm on record on this podcast as not being a huge fan of that title sequence like i love the song but the title sequence itself i it leaves me a little bit cold hmm interesting interesting yeah um i won't go into that because our listeners have already heard me <laughs> complaining about it um and then Genevieve how did you find Yellow Jackets well I I just started hearing about it on Twitter and at first I thought they were talking about Yellowstone uh, and I was like which I don't know about you guys but that's all the rage with anyone if you have any mother or any father like over 50 you've heard all about Yellowstone and I just started hearing about it from younger people I'm like oh are they are they in this Kevin Costner show is that is I'm like should I watch should I watch Yellowstone is that have I reached that point in my life and uh and I started looking into it I was like oh my gosh they've got Juliet Lewis you know Christina Ricci uh yeah Melanie Linsky I was like oh I'm in like I have to do I for a second. I thought you were talking about the cast of Yellowstone, and I was like, "Whoa, how weird that the same people <laughs> are also in Yellowstone." It, it, <laughs> Dang. Yeah, is it weird that I prepared a whole episode on Yellowstone? <laughs> you know what? Uh, in the spirit of Del Close, who definitely listens to this podcast, uh, I'm going to yes and that we're going to get through it. <laughs> I'm just going to try to make it work. All right. All right. I believe in you. I believe yeah. in us. I really didn't know very much about, about it going in. I just kind of watched it blind. And and uh, and my husband and I both watched it, which we don't we do not do a lot. We don't have a lot of shows in common. So we were both really into it. Fantastic. So this episode's description, the girls play with guns to determine who is the most responsible that hoary old chestnut. Uh, Natalie untangles a lifetime of piecing together broken men. And Thaisa greets the rich, which is a very succinct explanation of what happens in this episode. I think that this one, not a lot happens plot wise here. We get a few moves in a direction with the mystery of what's going on with Travis. But by and large, it is a lot of character building, a lot of deepening of existing relationships for these characters. This one was written by Ashley Lyle and Bart Nickerson. Looks like they write every episode. Um, their co-writer is Liz Fang, who wrote on The Strain, The Haunting of Hill House, and Lock and Key. So some spooky mm. chops there. And it was directed by Deepa Mehta, who is sometimes just credited as Deepa. She's an Indo-Canadian filmmaker. Best known to me, and I think to a lot of people in the West, for her Firewater Earth Elements trilogy, um, which tackled a lot of 
taboo subjects in India uh, in the 90s and early aughts. So very exciting to see her perspective here. I'm ready to jump in. Anybody else? I'm ready. So we have Juliette Lewis doing our previously on in keeping with our theme of whoever kind of the the focus of the episode is uh, in terms of like the flashbacks and explaining what makes her tick. Back in 1996, Mountain Song by Jane's Addiction comes on uh, (laughs) as they're back on the plane crashing into a mountain, which Juliette Lewis has called out. That's her favorite needle drop uh, in this series. (laughs) And this time we're focused on Nat, who is gripping a man's arm. And it is her dad. And he's like, I don't know why you're so afraid, Natty. You've already got blood on your hands. And he turns and he's got a quarter of his face missing just a full quadrant of his head is gone and he tells her that it has been waiting for them i think this might be our first instance of hearing anybody talk about it this sort of entity in the woods who i feel like comes up multiple times she then jerks up she's dreaming she's in the cabin it's dark uh lottie is not dreaming lottie's sitting up staring at the ladder that goes up to the attic (laughs) where her dead friend was (laughs) and she tells lottie like hey go back to bed it's fine we buried him like oh sweet simple nat if only it was that simple right (laughs) and lottie repeats that bad things happened in the cabin and apparently she just needed to say that and that's when you know she she lies down and goes back to sleep (laughs) she's like just so we're clear she's like there are we found a dead body here We definitely need to do some foreshadowing. So that's that's what I'm here to do. Yeah, I think anytime you find a, a corpse in the attic, that doesn't mean good things has happened there. Like I think it was safe to say, Lottie, you weren't having a prophecy. We know bad things definitely went down. No, I'm I'm sure it was fine. It was just a whoopsie. Unless you are really into decorating for Halloween. And you're going into a new house and you find a whole bunch of Halloween decorations. Finding a skeleton in the, uh, in the uh, attic's not good. No, I did used to keep a decorative skeleton in my home. His name was Slim. It's a whole, it's a whole story. It's a whole thing. But <laughs> I, I brought Slim with me cross country when I moved to California from Ohio. And of course. Yeah. He, <laughs> he got a t-shirt in Oklahoma that said, here comes trouble. Um, he was with me for a long time <laughs> until he just completely fell apart because he was made out of foam. But um, R.I.P. Slim, I guess R.I.P. the sequel in your case. I got a, I, I had a skeleton uh, stolen this year for Halloween. I, um, I, I had a skeleton out on my porch and um, I had set out like a socially distant candy display. I had a little sign that says, take one. And then I ran out of candy, didn't realize it. And I guess someone thought I meant the skeleton. So <laughs> you were just putting them out <laughs> one at a time. Just take one. I, w- I was mad, but I was like, I, you made, you know, some child's night, you know, <laughs> they were like, oh, sweet. The last skeleton. I'm so stoked. <laughs> Didn't get any chocolate, but hell yeah. <laughs> just running away with the skeleton. Yeah, I respect it. <laughs> We get Mountain Song coming back in. It's in Nat's car in 2021. It's another one of these great music cues that becomes diegetic. She's listening to the song in her car. And uh, Misty calls her and tries to comfort her about Travis's death. (laughs) 
literally using an online guide about what to and not to say to someone grieving a suicide. It, it reminded me of when um, when Trump was with the uh, Florida school shooting victims and he had the the note card of like, be, be oh. empathetic, like with the notes of how to act in front of this crew. Oh <laughs> it's just like, yeah, you know that like there was some kind of practice session where it was practicing like facial expressions right. in the mirror, <laughs> you know, inflections, just like how to be a human being. I definitely do feel that Misty is somehow the Trump of this group. <laughs> I don't know how somehow she's going to be ruling them all. You know, I I actually, and, and we can get into this a little bit later, but to me, and I know I'm biased, but I think Misty totally uh, is queer and she's obsessed and has like, uh, a crush on Nat at, at this point um, and that she really, really wants to make sure that she gets it right. Like she wants nothing more than Nat specifically, not as much the other ones, but she wants Nat's acceptance. Absolutely. And love and affection. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I can see that. And it makes a lot of sense to me as uh, a queer girl who has often had crushes on queer boys. Right. Because we do we do find out later that Coach Ben is queer. And again, we said in previous episodes, we are going to allude to some things that have happened later in the series. Yeah. But then if you look also at sort of the the heartthrobs that are in Misty's room in episode two, it's like JTT and Leo DiCaprio, these kind of like boyishly like you know, kind of like Twinkie. Yep. Soft butches. Yeah. But I, I kind of wonder though, I mean, um, those, I mean, I grew up around this time. So I feel like those men specifically in those posters were almost like issued to you mm -hmm. as like, like a 14 at 14, you like just get posters that just appear on your wall of like Jonathan right. Brandis, you know, mm -hmm. JTT, Devin Sawa. Like, I mean, I, I feel like you, you kind of, those were kind of thrust upon you and you're just like, I guess I'm, I like them now. I guess I'm supposed to. But I think in, in Misty's case, especially we see her both as a young girl and an adult in this scene. She is investigating how to be an appropriate person yes she's like okay i'm gonna cut out these pictures of these guys because that's what i'm supposed to do right fun fact yeah. long story devin sawa blocked me on twitter <gasps> um <laughs> uh congratulations <laughs> thank you he was really upset about something i said <laughs> so i would love to hear more from you carolyn uh what are what other evidence are you seeing for misty's queerness here it's the same thing that you mentioned i think having a crush on somebody even if ben wasn't queer he's obviously unavailable and having a crush mm -hmm. on the unavailable person is to me like a very queer thing to do because you know it's never going to happen but you do it so you kind of like fit in or you think you're fitting in but you look kind of silly because everyone else is like all right. Uh, we know what's happening here. But but I think like her obsession with Nat, the way that she has like surveillance on Nat, um, you know, she ends up having a, a woman prisoner in her <laughs> in her basement and really enjoys the company. And uh, like anything involving her when she pretends to be 
Nat to talk to Kevin. Like, <laughs> I think she's just so obsessed with with Nat. I mean, there there are so many things that that happen where she puts herself in these situations um, to to save Nat. Like, she wants Nat around. There's no reason for it. Nat is horrible to her, uh, but she she loves it. Like, and you. <laughs> You just kicked me right in the bisexual feels about the kind of people that I'm into. (laughs) (laughs) Which is also very appropriate for this episode where we kind of see Nat being attracted to people who are not treating her well. Right, right. Do you think that that Misty realizes that she might be bisexual? I don't know. Yeah, I, I kind of don't think she knows either. I kind of wonder if she's been, like, dating for 40-plus years. Well, I mean, or, you know, since she was a teenager. And, like, why isn't this working? <laughs> why isn't this working with any straight man at all? It's kind of baffling because you know she, like, looked up the clitoris online and, like, <laughs> figured out the equipment. But... <laughs> She just she has this feeling of somebody who's never quite had an appropriate orgasm, she, and I don't know what appropriate would mean <laughs> in in her case specifically. Not involving her bird, I don't know. Oh, ooh, ow, Caligula! No, Caligula, get out of the room. I I think also the fact that she comes into it being um, like so resourceful and useful, which I think is like a very queer thing to be Mm. like, you know, she probably was in Girl Scouts, but took it like way too seriously. The fact that like her role on the team is what it who takes that role other than somebody who wants to be like spending their time around these hot soccer players and like cheering them on and like it's it's pretty gay misty (laughs) (laughs) oh my god i love this take on misty i hope i hope that in season two she can you know learn about herself and um i don't know i can't i do kind of ship her a gnat like it may just be like the chemistry that Christina Ricci and Juliette Lewis have together, but I'm like, I just want you to have a cuddle. I was shipping her and Jessica, but I, I just think she needs some kind of appropriate relationship. Like I feel like she's got all this energy to like put into something besides birds. Right. And like and now <laughs> it's just like she's she's got it like she's impersonating people, she's got a cork board, she's trying to solve mysteries, like she needs she needs an appropriate orgasm is yeah mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. badly carolyn just briefly uh i cannot ship jessica with misty because i ship jessica with myself <laughs> <laughs> reka sharma who's also been on battlestar galactica right and i think star trek discovery two shows i have no interest in but i now have interest in yes yes so good total babe yes we do find out there's a little exposition here travis's death was officially ruled a suicide nat is still convinced it was a murder. Somebody did something to Travis. She doesn't know what. She doesn't know who. But she knows that he wouldn't have killed himself. Misty's like, okay, if you really think that that's what's going on, I will help you. We can pop some pins on the old cork board. <laughs> She's like, I have a cork board, but do you want to use yours? Like, as if this is something. We all have your cork board or mine. <laughs> like, 
you know, oh, like, yeah, let's go hang out and use your television or your kitchen sink <laughs> or your cork board. Or your your murder string. Your conspiracy. Yeah, yeah your conspiracy mm-hmm. string. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm all out of conspiracy string. I gotta stop by Michael's. <laughs> Uh, Nat blows her off as a patient who we will later discover is named Mrs. Singh and is one of my favorite just like one-off characters on this show. The best. Yes. She wants some jello and she wants it now. <laughs> Back in 1996, this is the titular scene. Yes. And every time I've watched it, it gets more and more absurd. Misty is trying to coach Coach into pooping. Which he has not done since his injury, which your body will do. Like if you go through even just like a, a normal surgery, your body's like, nope, we're done. Like we're not, right. we're not letting anything else out of here. What are you trying to do to me? She's trying to get him to bear down and is like, sometimes I sing, you know, to help my bowels release. <laughs> and she starts singing Breakfast at Tiffany's by Deep Blue Something. <laughs> Which is a great song that has now been ruined for me. Also, it's not in her range. She really needs to transpose the key here. Of course, they have uh, nothing in common, but they've got this one thing. <laughs> this <laughs> this plane crash now. I was going to ask, is it poop or is it the plane crash? Either way, they both kind of like them. Oh, God. <laughs> Anyway, he's just, he's so unhappy. He's so unhappy. I've said it before. This poor man, bad enough to be stranded in the woods, stranded in the woods with teenagers. But why isn't Travis going with him? Like, just be a bro. Do you honestly think that him? Misty would let Travis do anything? I just think, like, why do, I know Misty wants to to help him, but if, if you're trying to conjure up, like, romance vibes, do you really want to be witnessing his first... I think shit. <laughs> it was love at first shit. I think she's still in just helpful mode. Misty, yeah. Misty's love language is acts of service. I'm pretty sure she's canonically a Virgo. <laughs> I also feel like I mean I don't feel like Coach Ben is like asking for help. I feel I feel like Misty is showing up <laughs> constantly mm-hmm. and uh, volunteering herself in the job and probably prolonging this this shit. Honestly, she probably gave him stuff to keep him constipated. <laughs> probably. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> they didn't show up, but based on all the evidence so far, she definitely was like giving him cheese or something. I was just going <laughs> to say, here, coach, I found this uh, woods cheese. <laughs> <laughs> Very rare, native only to this area. I also feel like what we see of Travis in this episode and all episodes up until this point, that is not a helpful guy. No. No. His instincts are not toward helping people. And when they are, it's in ways that are actually useless when it comes to survival, <laughs> i.e. Right. getting your dead dad's ring out of the shallow grave that you all worked so hard to get him into. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was a lot of work to get that ring. <laughs> Anyway, we'll get to that. Also disgusting scene. There's a lot of disgusting scenes in this episode. (laughs) Speaking of Travis, he's playing with the gun and he fires it and fails to shoot a squirrel. The thing is loaded and they're just letting Travis handle it. Like, I mean, I know, again, Coach Ben has bigger fish to fry, hypothetically, Uh, but he comes out. He's like, hey, 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 that is a dangerous weapon. We're going to treat it that way. Luckily, he used to be a hunter. His dad used to take him hunting. And he can't hunt, obviously, because he only has one leg to balance on. So one of them is going to have to learn how to use it. And there is a very ominous push in on Natalie. Uh, 
I'm curious what both of you thought about this push in the first time that you saw the episode. Did it did it spark anything for you? Well, for sure, seeing the dad on the plane that mm-hmm. he had his face blown off that she's had some type of triggering encounter with with a gun. So yeah, it kind of knew that no pun intended, I'm sure. Right. <laughs> <laughs> But also, can I say, you know, Travis, like, misses the the squirrel, but then, like, immediately goes to getting, like, all of the cans that are 200 feet away or all but one. Like, what? Mm. How do you whiff on that first one? Yeah, I, I think that's it. I think that squirrel was just like, I mean, they are, they are wily, honestly. <laughs> like, <laughs> cans aren't, they aren't going anywhere, so. I actually read in Variety that that squirrel has a pretty big role in season two, so I think it was just plot armor <laughs> on that squirrel. Great, great. Okay. <laughs> Surprise, the squirrel is the antler queen. Oh, no. <laughs> The squirrel is the it they're all waiting for. So, <laughs> I mean, honestly, squirrels, in my opinion, are some of nature's most evil creatures. So it would not surprise me. Glad my yard is full of them. Great. You know, Arizona doesn't really have very many of them. So the ones that we have are like huge and like unkillable. So, <gasps> oh, my God. Yeah, they're they're kind of a sight to see. You almost never see them like you just like. So if you see them, like, you know that they've really been through some stuff and survived. This is actually the Yellow Jacket spin-off series. <laughs> Set in Arizona featuring its squirrels. <laughs> we cut to Nat's Porsche parked outside a trailer. Her mom is inside. She's disabled in some capacity. She's using oxygen. Nat says the place hasn't changed. Her mom's name is Vera. Nat has picked up a, a picture of her mom and her dad. And uh, Vera's waxing nostalgic. Oh, they were a handsome pair. And adult Nat's like, okay, whatever you say, mom. And then this is one of my favorite flashbacks that they do because adult Nat sees her young self come in with a boy who we will learn is Kevin Tan. They go into her room and do goth stuff. (laughs) Um, He's trying to put black sharpie on his nails and she's like don't don't do that i'm gonna put nail polish on there and you know they're talking about nirvana and how he liked them better before they left sub pop and it's all it's all very cute innocent high schooly things but she hears a car door and immediately her dad's in the room attacking kevin they hustle kevin on out of there and he immediately starts screaming at Nat, like, this is what you do when I'm not here. You're a little slut. Are you a little slut? And it just, oh, it's awful. Yeah. It's very tough to watch uh, because it seems like this is not the first time this kind of altercation has happened in this household. Like, this is not just, oh, for sure. Dad had a bad day. No, and she was, yeah. Like, Nat's looking all around when she's coming in, when she first comes in, like, She's dead. Yeah, her her mom is passed out on the couch yes. um, when she comes in. So, and what's interesting too in this flashback is that both adult Natalie and then plane crash nineteen ninety six Natalie are having the same memory triggered for different reasons. That adult Nat is like <gasps> there in the room, so of course she goes to the most traumatic memory, and then young Nat is triggered by the the gun and goes back to that memory so i thought that that was kind of like a cool thing that i don't think they'd done oh yeah it is i did not even notice that that's an incredible observation in the present nat is in her room and she finds a cassette 
labeled Kevin's mix for Nat, which is apparently <laughs> what she came back to find. Yes. <laughs> a little goth engagement ring. <laughs> so oh at Thais's house, Simone is quizzing her on all of the properties and uh, children of this very wealthy political donor named Diane Raffleson. Sammy's hiding in the closet in a way that is not at all creepy. He's a very normal <laughs> child who doesn't have any problems. You could have a spin-off movie based on that clip of him hiding in the closet. <laughs> that was the most terrifying thing I've seen on, on, on like what is happening? Why did I have to make him so creepy? That poor kid, he's so cute and they're doing everything they can to make him like the creepiest character on the show. Mm -hmm. Leave Sammy alone. Poor Sammy. <laughs> Sammy's told to go downstairs and eat his noodles. All they do in this house is tell Sammy to leave the room. Right. <laughs> Nobody puts Sammy in the corner. I mean, they're, they're constantly like, when the cameras aren't rolling, they're probably all just like, hey, you got to get out of the closet. <laughs> you got <laughs> to blink now. You got to please tell me you have a belly button. <laughs> they're like putting a mirror in front of his face to make sure that he's breathing. <laughs> And Thais is freaking out about this thing. Simone's like, just be yourself. She also says that if being herself doesn't work, she can just pull out her Tina Turner and Hooch bit, which <laughs> is not in this episode and which I desperately need to hear. Why tease it if it's not going to play out? Oh, it man. is such a specifically 90s piece of humor, too. Like, who... Who even is remembering Turner and Hooch in 2021? I mean, clearly me, but. Oh, there's a reboot. For that to be her like marquee bit that she does <laughs> at parties. It's like, oh my God, you really are trapped in the 90s, Thaisa. <laughs> I, I feel like the like the characters like present day are more trapped in the 90s than like when they're in the 90s. I don't know about you, but I like I know it's set in the 90s and there's like the 90s music, but for some reason it doesn't feel like the 90s to me. When we're seeing the 90s? Yeah, when we're seeing the 90s, it, there's something about it that just doesn't really scream 90s to me or feel familiar does it feel like the present day or I'm I'm just curious sort of what's behind this yeah I don't know if it's like the way that they're talking and there are things that happen later that like when um in the dooms coming episode when everybody sees Thaisa and Van and everyone's like yay I'm like that would not have happened in 1996 okay <laughs> <laughs> they would have all been like ew and run away like been like you can't be at this dance it's definitely a very pernicious thing that happens i used to do a recap where we talked about downton abbey which has like a multi-season arc about how everyone came to love and accept their gay butler <laughs> and we're like mm, he would be in prison like right. yeah i i kind of got that with and with an e yeah. Jasmine Savoy Brown, who plays Thaisa, has been very vocal at press events when she's talking about this. You know, they throw him kind of a softball question. We're like, oh, like, do you wish it was the 90s? And she's like, no, it would be a very bad time to be a queer woman of color. What are you talking about? <laughs> right, right. It wasn't cute. It wasn't fun. But, you know, again, it's one of these things where it's just like, oh, yeah, okay. Um, We want this contemporary audience to relate to these people. I mean, I will say... I do appreciate in a show so bleak them giving us a little bit of fan service with a happy is not the word, a happy queer <laughs> teen couple. 
<laughs> sure, sure. A teen couple that would surely be happy if they weren't fighting for their lives. Right. Uh, back in 1996, Coach is testing everybody's shotgun skills. He is having them pull the trigger on the shotgun. And if they could do that without knocking a quarter off the barrel, they can progress to the next round. It's kind of like an American Idol, but for <laughs> big game hunting. <laughs> is this standard? Again, it's like anytime it's a sports or guns situation on this show. I'm just like, oh my God, I don't know. I'm so pretty. <laughs> yeah, I had I had no idea. I was like, I'm buying it. I guess that's a thing. That's how that's how you know who's yep. going to be the best at it. The the old quarter test. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Jackie fails miserably. And she's like, this is impossible. Because, of course, if Jackie can't do it, it must be impossible. Right. And Travis tries to get Javi to try. This is like one of the only times that he like attempts to get him to do something. Javi is just not having it. Travis actually does well with his gun, as we said, like, oh, before he couldn't do it. Now suddenly he's an ace shot. He starts harassing Nat because she's got the gun and she flashes back to her dream about her dad being on the plane. And then Van's about to come up. But then Nat is like, no, 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 let me do it again. And then she does it. She manages to pull the trigger and not knock the quarter off. So everybody everybody cheers because Travis has been very openly being a dick to her. I was going to say, I think he just glossed over him saying, uh, why don't you stick to things you're good at, like cooking in the kitchen or whatever, and giving, bl- he's about to say giving blowjob, like. Yes, he definitely uh, did say that. Which made me so mad later. It's like, uh, you know, if like you can dish it out, but you can't take it mm-hmm. <laughs> to the extreme. He just, he makes me so angry and part of why he makes me so angry is that i too would fall for this i i think they're kind of playing up that i mean he's like a i don't know like a very um angsty like kind of jerk guy i think they're kind of trying to play that up so they can soften him up a little bit because i feel like he's like the most asshole-ish right at the at the beginning of this i feel like and then i feel like he has mm-hmm. a lot softer moments like throughout the series and throughout this episode i feel like there's like uh he's kind of like trying to be macho and he's making all these comments about you gotta stick to things you're good at like laundry and sucking dick and like it's i don't know it's very like 90s rush limbaugh (laughs) oh Oh God! I'm sorry. No, I'm, I'm sorry to evoke his name. We, we, we don't have to say it again. We if we say it two more times, he'll summon in a mirror. I'm, I mean, tra- Travis is blowing it. He is here. He's the only like age appropriate match for for these women. Yeah, you know he he could be like living his best life. Uh, it it wouldn't take much. The bar is low, and he's just choosing to be a a sexist asshole the whole time and and even that like when they uh when they first go into the lake and they're like oh is travis hot i'm like oh see it's 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 like an episode of the bachelor it's like well it's the only one so we all have to find him attractive even though he's like a total potato head like that's well at least he can do the hometown visit all in one day (laughs) yeah i think What doesn't work for me, Genevieve, with him having these moments of softness and vulnerability is that we always see him going back to being a dick. And even when he's kind to Nat, he's really awful to other members of the team. Again, I'm I'm curious to see where they go with this in season two. Obviously, 
in our 2021 timeline here. He's dead. I don't know if they'll do any flashbacks to him then. You know, the sky's the limit, but it's just sort of like, okay, does this guy have any depth? I'm fine with him not having any depth. Male characters have kind of had a monopoly on having depth for a really long time. <laughs> so it doesn't bother me that he's kind of presented as this, like, you know, sexual object who has no social skills. Yeah. Yeah. I, I kind of wonder how much of it is like internalized, just kind of like a misogyny. Like, I feel like he's, because a lot of the things that he says are stuff that I, it sounds like he's heard before. Most of what he's saying sounds like the party line at their high school. And we yeah. definitely, you know, in future episodes, Jackie is slut shaming Nat. Travis slut shames Nat some more. So it feels like Jackie seems to get all the credit for kind of bringing these high school dynamics to the woods and keeping them there. But I think Travis deserves mm. a lot of credit for that, too. Shauna, this is still in 1996. She's just journaling in an idyllic creek. <laughs> getting her jane austen on over there did you tense up when you saw her foot in the water where you're like something bad is gonna happen because that was my reaction just <laughs> honestly like, every time they show the water i'm like surely there's something evil yeah everywhere i just assume everything's evil i just also think like are there any fish <laughs> in that stream mm. um yeah like I mean, right yeah that would be i don't know like my my thought like i would be looking i'd get hungry enough where i'd be like yeah any fish that'd be easy to catch i feel it wouldn't involve guns hopefully i think later they they are shown um travis is checking a net in the lake oh, okay but i'm not sure how populous that lake is and again much like guns and sports i really know very very little about um fishing and <laughs> migration patterns of canadian fish <laughs> i would i would be dead immediately i think on the show <laughs> I would have died within 30 seconds been like, all right, my phone's dead. All right, I'm done. <laughs> so They didn't even have phones. Yeah. Carolyn, what do you think? How, how long would you last? Oh, I'd be the antler queen. <laughs> I love that. I yeah. love that confidence. Amazing. No, I, I, I don't know if I'd be the, the antler queen, but I do. So I moved um, upstate New York during the pandemic and am in kind of like a more rural area. Um, and I've learned how to like chop wood um, and like build fires and have become like extremely handy. So if someone were to put me in that kind of a situation now, I do think I would last longer than most. That's incredible. I would definitely cozy up to the antler queen. I feel like... <laughs> I would attempt to be the antler jester. It's really my only skill. Like I have a BFA in theater. It's like, oh, I can do a monologue and eat a lot of cheese. Oh, I, I feel like the antler queen, though, isn't the one that's like actually like executing. So I guess I'm true. More you're like, like a deputy. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. You know, we see them all at judges table in their pelt prom. Outfit. Right. So it's like we don't really know what the, the job titles are um, <laughs> right. at that point. So, you know, remains to be seen. But people would want to keep me around. Like, mm -hmm. like I'm not oh, definitely. I'm not pick girl. I'm you, not pick girl yeah, for sure. You've got absolutely some skills. At the creek, Javi comes up and is like, Oh, you're not like not doing the gun thing. And Shauna's just like, I don't think I was meant to handle firearms. <laughs> and I'm like, ooh, I don't know that that's the can-do attitude we need in these woods. <laughs> she explains journaling to Javi. This is such a weird scene that goes nowhere to me anyway, because I don't think we ever see Javi like drawing or journaling on that piece of paper. 
because like she's explaining to it and he's just like staring at her and she just like rips out a piece of the paper and hands it to him yeah you know it's the same vibe as take one skeleton to me where it's just like okay here like you take this what there was a a little bit of a a rumor going around when this first aired that that javi was apparently adam Mm -hmm. yeah yeah because he kept appearing to Shauna. Like he kept kind of coming up to Shauna and only talking to her. Mm-hmm. And they kind of look alike, I guess. And there's a little bit of a vibe. And and also, like, if she gave him the paper and he was drawing on it or something, and Adam's a, an artist, that people are making that connection too. Javi as Adam is another one of one of these things where it's like, oh, we've got a lot invested in this character. And like Javi's not super important in the 1996 timeline it feels very like and then there's Javi like he's just around (laughs) so it's like he's there for a reason presumably right not just to be this like red herring of like oh is that Adam yeah so I feel like Javi is uh, a narrative strategy that has yet to be deployed in my opinion Uh, but there's a weird vibe between them it's just weird there's something unsettling about it and I'm not even sure what it is you know people are like oh does he have a crush on Shauna which is certainly plausible but it just it's just it's so strange like there's like the, a weird connection that i don't understand and doesn't get explored uh in this season it is interesting that shauna says that she doesn't think she's like meant to handle guns but like no qualms about picking up a knife it's like a extra appendage of hers <laughs> like for the rest of her life is just like yes knives are my weapon yeah. <laughs> she's just like a hipster she's like oh yeah. you know i don't really like that advanced technology in a gun but like knives <laughs> well, she's got like she's a, a really sharp wedge tool i don't know if she's realized it yet because she's just like so, like so good with knives and it's almost like she's like born identity with them where she just picks up a knife and she's just like slitting throats mm. and killing rabbits. And she just hasn't realized yet. She's like, no, I don't know if I'd like guns. I'm like, I think you might. I think you might if you tried it. <laughs> her knife skills are what got her early admission to Brown. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe that maybe this is a, a leap, but there's something that feels more... Um, more intimate, right, about like stabbing something with your own hand than shooting it from a distance. Mm-hmm. And then it's kind of interesting that the guy that she picks to sleep with is her best friend's boyfriend. Like somehow, like when she's causing harm, she wants to cause it like very close. Mm-hmm. She's like, I really want to hurt people in like an organic, locally sourced way. <laughs> <laughs> I really want to feel those consequences. <laughs> Uh, adding fuel to the Javi as Adam fire, we do see Shauna putting on makeup and then kind of flashing back to her hotel tryst with Adam. And he has a big tattoo in his back that looks like mountains and maybe um, that legend on a map uh, that shows you which way is north. The compass rose. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very like survivalist themed tattoo if that's what you're looking for i mean presumably sonnet saw it i don't know who else is who else is kind of putting that there for us but it looks you know it looked like she was having some good sex i'm not gonna lie they look happy yeah she had a nice time i think i think (laughs) in a plot point in 1996 that i feel like they just completely abandoned um mari's actually a very good shot Mari is only marginally less good at shooting this gun than Travis and Nat. And for the rest of this season, it's like, nope, only Travis and Nat can go out. Uh, 
it's like, I mean, I don't know. I feel like even, you know, what she may lack in raw talent, I think that uh, she's a, a great candidate simply for the fact that uh, she doesn't do what Travis does in this scene when uh, he gets the gun and he misses a can and Nat says, so close, Flex. And he whirls around, points the loaded gun at her. <laughs> Until Coach talks him down. And it's like, so you're going to send this extremely emotionally volatile boy right. out in the woods with this extremely, like, troubled girl um, to just have the gun between them <laughs> when he has already pointed it at her. Like, okay. I mean, I know Coach is traumatized, but... um. It just feels like at least put them on a rotation. Um, <laughs> send send all three of them out, you know? Send Misty out with them. Oh yeah. my god, yeah. Get her away from you, coach. Honestly, <laughs> yeah. he's clearly never had to schedule shifts in a, a retail establishment before. I'll say that much. <laughs> yeah, I think he's probably thinking, I don't know if I want this guy just like hanging around trying to shoot at squirrels or whatever, <laughs> like all the time. Like he probably needs to get some of that out away from the cabin. And maybe into some food. Sure, but maybe not unsupervised with somebody that he seems to have beef with. Yeah. <laughs> at any rate, Nat hits, I think, every can that she shoots at. Yes. And suck on that, Travis. Why don't you learn to suck a dick? Make yourself useful. <laughs> and we go back to 2021, and Nat is at dinner with uh, former goth freak and Sharpie enthusiast Kevin Tan. And she's explaining why she did a and e in New Hampshire. And <laughs> basically, to me, the, the subtext here is just like, you used to be cool, Kevin Tan. And now you're a cop. Basically, his, his band failed. And it's like, you should have seen that coming, sir. And <laughs> then his, his marriage failed. And then he just became a cop. I just feel like there's a lot of steps. Between your band failing and becoming a cop, like there's so many other jobs. I don't know if you get if you get divorced in New Jersey, I think you automatically become a cop. Like <laughs> for sure, they, and they're like, okay, as a 14 year old girl, here's your like pile of Tiger Beat magazines. <laughs> divorced man in New Jersey, uh, g great news, detective. <laughs> Here, your mustache is growing in. Uh, we've issued you a gun. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry about that, for sure. Yeah, that's that's interesting, having to uh, address a B&E on basically a first date. <laughs> so, <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm curious, uh, Carolyn, what do you make of this interaction? Do you feel like Nat is genuinely interested in him here? No, no, not at all. Yeah, I mean, she is so obsessed with Travis for reasons that I can only say daddy issues. Uh, and she just likes these troubled, emotionally unstable men. And, you know, Kevin seems like a nice dude mm -hmm. all around. So, of course, she's not interested in him yeah. at all. And I do think, I mean, it is a little bit of like a lazy shorthand to be like, this cop is an emotionally stable man who would never <laughs> hurt a woman when statistically we know that that is not true of most if Anyway, okay, we're not going to get into it. We find out that Misty is on the patio of the same restaurant, which is called Bricks and Mortar, and it feels like yep. <laughs> that hip 
like chain restaurant that acts like it's not a chain restaurant for sure and i'm obsessed if it's a real place i want to go on my yellow jackets tour of i guess this is probably vancouver and not new jersey but (laughs) misty orders a chocolate martini i love it yeah haunting i'm haunted (laughs) nothing says i don't get out much than a chocolate martini like it's <laughs> exactly like, i don't even think that's true i think she does get out much and she's just out here ordering chocolate martinis it just it feels like a like a panic order to me like like it's like what do i what do i remember is good like oh yeah um chocolate martinis i guess i don't know i mean I, yeah i haven't had chocolate martinis i think since i was like underage uh yeah it's <laughs> an underage was, drink yeah. <laughs> yeah so the fit between that and then learning later on that missy's never had a shop before i do think that she really mm. doesn't get out much and then you look at a menu and you're like oh they make chocolate ones of these okay how bad could that be <laughs> they just put the vodka in with the chocolate <laughs> uh mrs singh my absolute hero <laughs> Orders a whiskey soda, red label, double. And she's just, she's just, she's got, I think, three lines in this whole episode. And she's already worlds cooler than Misty could ever, ever, ever hope to be. Right. I also have no, how do you, I, I is this in the purview of an elder care nurse to like take one of the patients out to dinner? I mean, I think Misty plays by her own rules, which are none and mostly illegal uh, but it's just like how, how did you convince your boss i just feel like the liability here is through the roof. i don't i don't think this elder care place that she works for is is the best <laughs> so <laughs> i i think i'd be said for most elder care places i think that you know i think i think the the perk is that occasionally if you are an 89 year old woman you get to go out and get a uh, double whiskey soda so <laughs> And um, share it with a weirdo who's spying on her friend. Mrs. Singh, we salute you. (laughs) Back in 1996, Coach tells Travis and Natalie they need to work together before he sends them off to be unsupervised in the woods. And Travis immediately does not do that. He just starts walking. And Natalie is like, hey, hey, wait up. Wait, Coach said. And Travis does not care what Coach said. Thaisa and Simone are finally at this big party. Thaisa's shoes are amazing, by the way. They're like these like strappy teal shoes they're absolutely gorgeous she looks great priorities on my end i'm like oh my god the trauma but her shoes (laughs) the the host of the party is telling them that they're doing an amazing nose to tail roasted pig for dinner which after we heard about shauna um skinning a rabbit chin to anus does not really appeal i'm gonna be honest well that's also (laughs) just a weird way to describe a a roasted pig it's like you want to know we roasted all of it we we didn't leave out a part honestly i mean i think i think his point is like that they've prepared every part of the pig because we do later see it come out like the head is on a platter yeah like i'm assuming like it is a roasted pig but then they've broken it down and put it into you know different dishes would be my assumption yeah this is mostly based on having watched every single season of top chef ever, <laughs> including top chef just desserts i uh, gotta say nothing wrong with a nice spiral cut ham 
Very easy. <laughs> Don't. I am curious. Are either of you vegetarian or vegan? No, not currently. I, I've dabbled in okay. it. I don't have any problem with Same. it, but I, I do feel like the barbaric presentation of the pig is very strange to me. Even and I have not been in a plane crash and stranded for nineteen months. And there's there's a working theory so far on this podcast that vegans and vegetarians just uh, don't watch this show. And I am, yeah, I'm curious to see if that's true. I mean, um, there's, there's still, you know, six episodes after this one. So I guess we'll find out. <laughs> I'm just like, are you watching it to remind you like of why? <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> Apparently Simone is the rising star of the comp lit department at some university. We don't know which one, maybe Rutgers. I have no idea where things are <laughs> in New Jersey. And Thaisa didn't eat beforehand, which is horrible. Like showing up to a party and you didn't eat and finding out that they're only serving things you hate. Uh, and then, you know, some guy swoops in and he's like, hey, remember how we were talking about the county building code? And this is why I will never go into politics. Yeah, that's exactly what you want to talk about when you're on an empty stomach is <laughs> is ordinances. <laughs> so She's on an empty stomach. She's a vegetarian. Her son is haunted. She's got a lot going on, sir. Okay, she's losing this race. <laughs> And t tell me if I'm remembering this correctly, but I believe, too, that uh, somebody says something like they call them a power couple and they say this is what all power couples should look like. Uh, Simone says, oh, yeah, that's literally why we're together. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I just think it, it's this thing that that happens like and then double for them because they're they're two black women but like when you're queer and stuff it's like people want to over compliment you and you can tell it's not really sincere and they're just saying the thing that they're supposed to say that they think is like like progressive or whatever and be like oh yes every power couple should be two black queer women together that's the best <laughs> kind of power couple uh and you're like all right i get it dude when will we have the technology <laughs> quit wasting your time science let's go this this party does manage in just a few scenes to be a pretty scathing indictment of like the neoliberal political funding structure for yeah. sure yeah a lot of people putting their feet in their mouths you know we knew it was a nose to tail table didn't realize it would be a foot and mouth table as well <laughs> oh. you know i have to keep reminding myself as a white woman it's like even anytime you're like mm, i'm gonna not be the worst type of person you should just not talk like anytime you're like i'm gonna do such a good job no just you don't need to say anything right right you could yeah. just let the moment pass uh sean and adam having a different kind of party they're sitting in his truck in the parking lot of a liquor store and at first i was like are they looking for a third like what is this <laughs> um they are looking for someone to buy booze for them they're like play acting shauna's misspent youth which i find fascinating because it was her senior year when the plane crashed right and they were they were going to drinking parties i'm like i don't think you missed any of this shauna like what is going on yeah uh they do finally convince some guy uh to do it after he asks if it's a sex thing and shauna's like ah, maybe <laughs> he's like okay all right word i'll do it now and it's just i don't know it's it's so arrested development i feel like that's so much of this episode is seeing where everybody is stuck you know she's she's so teenager ish in her body language and the way that she talks about adam she's deliberately chosen this night of like 
weird high school activities about town. Adam does ask why Shauna missed her high school experience, and she uses a line that I will be using on many dates in the future. Has anyone ever told you your obsession with biographical minutiae is the opposite of a turn on? <laughs> you know, when when I was watching that with my wife, she's like, I wish I had that vocabulary to say that to you early on, because I question my wife um, has like a very bad memory when it comes to dates and stuff. And when we first met, I was asking a lot of questions about the timeline of her life and things weren't adding up. And I was like, okay, so you're a murderer, <laughs> like you are a murderer and but she was like, why? Because she'd get like a little bit, Kate, like, why are you asking so many questions? I'm like, what are you hiding? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the million dollar question is, is she a murderer? Um, I don't know. She says she's not. But right. like, right. there's no, I don't know how you can prove that you haven't murdered anybody. Mm-hmm. Especially if you don't remember dates Definitely. and alibis. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like she spent most of her life in uh, Peru. And I'm like, I can't. If there's like news articles about <laughs> mysterious murders, I cannot read them. Um, so, you know, works to her advantage. Likely story. Yep. <laughs> I have a brother who studied abroad in Peru. He might be able to hook you up. So, okay, great. Great. We'll, we'll, we'll work that out. Back at old bricks and mortar, Misty spots my wife, J Rob, <laughs> sitting at the bar. And she is like texting Nat and calling Nat, who's just ignoring her completely. Back at the fundraiser, Tice is doing what everyone on an empty stomach should do and chugs champagne because mm. that'll help. She's she's having a rough time. Um, Diane Raffleson kind of raises a glass at her from across the room so she's aware of her. But she sees these waiters bring by this pig's head on the platter and she kind of like hallucinates a stag's head in its place and uh this older couple are condemning her opponent's uh supporters who keep saying spill 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 they want to know what happened in the wilderness and in the same breath they're like well you can tell us though like right we're not like those people what did you do like you're amazing you should really take hold of your story which is something we hear frequently in this series it's different people encouraging everybody to tell their story their way which, you know, you could argue that's what we're getting in the 1996 timeline. <laughs> and it's like, ooh, like, I don't know that you know what you're asking for here. She does swipe a canapé that's being passed around, but it contains meat. She doesn't eat meat. She spits it out. Um, and then she just hallucinates a wolf in another room. And she's like, OK, I need to go take a time out and uh, lights up a cigarette in a room in this house. I couldn't <laughs> tell if they were like outside and like, how are you just in this mansion? And you're like, oh, I'm just going to go smoke a cigarette in one of these palatial rooms. (laughs) But Diane Raffleson tracks her there, asks her to bum a cigarette, and she's like, let's split a cliff bar. And I'm like, best friend. (laughs) Do we think she's really hallucinating? Because Shauna later in the episode also has a hallucination. Or is that just the show's way of letting us know that they're like, their memory is being triggered of those things? I don't know. At this point, I don't feel like the show is making a distinction. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think the show plays it very coy about the line between mental health issues and like visions or the supernatural. Right. So I really, I don't know. I have no idea. I know one theory um, 
that a friend and I were talking about early on is and I did no research uh, about this for this episode, but there's um, there's a specific kind of psychosis that people get when they've consumed human flesh. Um, so we're like, well, maybe that happened and they have like these mass delusions. Oh. Um, obviously, they're separated from each other now. But it also I mean, it also could just be these flashes of memory. You know, I mean, I think whatever they are, they feel very real to these characters. Right. Yeah. I, I feel like to me, it looks like a manifestation of like trauma. Like, uh, yeah, basically, mm-hmm. like this is bringing up something for them. I don't know if it's something that they really see, but I, I feel like it's definitely on their minds. And I also think it's interesting the things that we kind of see them flashing back to. I haven't come to a good thesis on this but it's like who is telling us the story of the show right who's the pov like who's the eye of the camera but you know they don't have big issues in the past i mean like yes they they think about traumatic things in their pasts presumably they're thinking about some of this stuff but it's like i feel like they're all trying so hard not to think about it this is almost like just seeping through the edges of their consciousness because they're trying so hard to keep everything at bay so it just kind of comes out in these unpredictable seemingly innocuous ways but i mean if i was hallucinating a wolf i too would smoke a cigarette i'd be like you know what i can't (laughs) indoors even like uh be like i have a doctor's note i saw a wolf and this is this is the only thing that works you have like you pull out a laminated card (laughs) like like in the joker (laughs) (laughs) we're still god i cannot believe how long these people stay at bricks and mortar i feel like they have been there for hours um kevin spots misty outside and nat immediately goes over to confront her and misty's like oh my god i'm so glad you came over jessica roberts is here she's sitting right over there and nat is like hey i don't need you we're not risoli and isles why not so, they should be right they should be look uh they're queer icons i mean again supporting this theory and this ship like oh you could be though and she just tells misty to go home and then mrs singh the VIP of this episode says, you remind me of my granddaughter. No one really likes her either. <laughs> it's such a straightforward observation. I really don't even think it's a burn. She's like, you know, I've lived a long life. I've been through some shit. You need to confront your truth, young lady. <laughs> yeah, you could tell like there's just like no nothing's good or bad anymore to this woman. Mm-hmm. It's just all happening and she's just going to say whatever she wants. There's no filter. And uh, God bless her <laughs> for it. Except for those, those delicious uh, whiskey sodas. Uh, red label Mm. misty channels her frustrations into confronting jessica roberts and saying you know i know i don't seem like somebody who's dangerous uh or you know i don't pose a threat to you but you're wrong and jessica roberts is like okay all right fine you're so scary misty (laughs) it's clear that she does not think misty's a threat and i'm like well you haven't seen what we've seen jessica roberts this chick is terrifying If I were you, I would leave the state and change your name. Sean and Adam are, they're on such a long date. Right. It's a very long book club meeting. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, right. This is ostensibly book club. They're reading Infinite Jest. (laughs) (laughs) It's just them lugging the book around. Like, oh my God, will it ever be over? (laughs) They're, They're playing mini golf on a course where apparently the goal is to hit the ball into a residential neighborhood, which is horrifying to me oh, right? no. as an old person yeah. who does not wish to inflict property or <laughs> bodily damage on people. I know. I was just thinking like, 
I would like never buy a house near a golf course. I just I feel like they'd be like, well, you know, it's right next to this busy road and this golf course, but our mortgage payment is only. <laughs> like you're definitely going to get a window like knocked out or just like <laughs> random balls in your yard. No, thank you. <laughs> so. Yeah. And not the fun kind of random balls in your yard. <laughs> so they make a bet on whether he could make this shot into some poor unsuspecting person's you know they can't be unsuspecting at this point. Yeah, no. If he makes the shot, she has to tell him something personal. But she says when she wins, she gets to choose their next activity, and he has to do it, no questions asked. And I'm like, isn't that what's been happening all night? Right. Like, <laughs> why would he choose any of these activities? You're a lunatic. <laughs> As he's taking a shot, Shauna blows on his neck to distract him, which is kind of adorable. And <laughs> he does miss the shot, and Shauna makes it. He asks if she's hustling him. And she's like, no, I never did it. She's living her best life. Good for you, question mark. He asks, what if you hit somebody? And she's like, oh, R.I.P. Sorry. <laughs> and he calls her a savage. And it's like, ooh, it's a good thing you don't have a knife. Uh, did either of you ever play mini golf on a date or otherwise in high school? I did. I, I actually, I, I beat um, my high school boyfriend at mini golf and it was a big problem <laughs> for him. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. He was, he was very upset. <laughs> was his name Travis? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, well, I also got double the ACT score you, you did. So but <laughs> was he not upset about that? But he was upset about mini golf. <laughs> not as upset. <laughs> like, <laughs> Was he planning to become a mini golf pro? <laughs> I dashed those dreams. <laughs> I mean, look, I um, I got married really young and I used to get absolutely enraged when my wife would beat me at Wii Golf. So <laughs> I I am regrettably a lot like your high school boyfriend, right? Like, it's not fair. You won more than me. We're married. We're supposed to share. And that includes victory. I do feel like they are like, this is Shauna. Shauna doesn't know how to go on an adult date. Like at, at all. Like this is, mm. she's like, what? I mean, of course, I mean, it's an affair too. I mean, there's, there's that element, but like everything they're doing is like, okay, let me consult my Rolodex of where to go when you're 17. I guess the last time I dated, like, all right, mini golf range, uh, liquor right. store, <laughs> um, overpass. <laughs> Imagine how awkward if they had also gone to bricks and mortar. Like, yikes. <laughs> it's clearly the spot to be. I mean, they're so busy. Uh, that's why it's <laughs> everything's taking so long as service is slow. <laughs> <laughs> honestly i kind of i really like i could really go for like casual slightly elevated american fare right now uh, <laughs> speaking of casual slightly elevated canadian fare uh in 1996 laura lee wants to know if any of the trees are maple syrup trees <laughs> great question Laura Lee can be such an inconsistently written character at times, but I do love when they lean into her just being kind of like dumb and innocent and this like naive. <laughs> and I mean, everybody acts like it's such a stupid question, but it's like, do you know for sure that they're not? Yeah, I don't think it's a stupid question. I think it's a very, they're in Canada. <laughs> Why not? Yeah. I mean, I think that would be uh, hell. Like you get to drink a lot of maple syrup. <laughs> 
it's just wishful thinking more than being stupid. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Um, Akila is actually our Girl Scout here. Uh, Misty is more of the Red Cross babysitter course, and Akila, yeah, has apparently got a mind like a steel trap. Because I once went on an edible plants walking tour of Golden Gate Park and I retained <laughs> absolutely nothing. This this would not be my skill, you know? And so she stops Misty from eating a poisonous mushroom and Van asks, poisonous like it'll kill you or poisonous like you'll trip your balls off? Uh, she does not specify. Akila's just shooting everything down. She's like, nope, poison. Nope, poison. And yeah. they're like, okay, what can we eat, though? Misty wants to hurry up, and Tyson and Van tease her about Coach, and then they're kind of flirting. I think Van's like, oh my god, did you throw a berry at me? Yes. And it's just, it's super cute. Yeah, that, I think that that's like the the moment where they're definitely like where i noticed but then i also kind of knew going into it because we know that taisa like as an adult is with a woman mm-hmm. and then van like not only looks super gay but um was the goalie of the team and the goalie is mm-hmm. almost always gay on the soccer team wow Just, <laughs> I, it's, it's a theory of mine it's a theory of mine but i think the goalie is always gay <laughs> Almost. This is the most I ever have learned about soccer. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a rule. It's a rule. You have to. <laughs> Van Van has the most overtly queer vibes on the For team. Sure. Although I feel like anytime you're isolating a bunch of girls, I'm like, it's gonna be gay. <laughs> you know, before like they um, flash to like present day with um, Shauna being with Jeff. I thought, like, in the very beginning that Shauna was gay and in love with Jackie, mm-hmm. um, and that's why she was sleeping with her boyfriend, and that's why, like, she was kind of weird. I read it all wrong. I was like, oh, this is, like, the person who's obsessed with her best friend, and she's totally in love with her, and and because the actress who plays her, what, um, Melanie Linsky, um, was in the movie Heavenly Creatures with um, Kate Winslet, and that's a queer movie. And a lot of times, these straight actresses who get hired to play queer roles, they get hired to play multiple queer roles. So anytime I see them, I have to be like a little bit suspicious like how many times christina ricci is like constantly kissing women and things she's so queer um so that's why i'm like misty carolyn what is your what is your solution here are we supposed to just hire queer people to play queer people (laughs) (laughs) wow 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 what about equality on the job market you know i'm also watching and just like that and that's making a case for hiring straight people to play queer people um so that's That's a whole other podcast. So. Oh, no. <laughs> it's at least the second time that show has come up on this podcast. And I just I don't think I can do that to myself. It's a beautiful train wreck of a show that um, we all hate, but are ride or die with for some reason. Like, I'm I'm going to watch that until there's no more sex in the city on my TV. But I, I do not enjoy it. <laughs> it's so- They 
truly lucked out with the Omicron surge. Like, they're the only one. They're like, oh, this thing is a real stinker. Let's push it out at the, you know, end, very beginning of the year. And they were like, oh, my God, everybody's actually watching it. Oh, my gosh. Um, I, I also want to note, going back to that scene, this is also like Travis and the gun. When did Misty then become the mushroom expert and like the mushroom collector and being able to tell the difference between psychedelic mushrooms and having like a binder full of mushrooms. <laughs> I have that same question. Yeah. Like, A, where did she get that trapper keeper? Right. B, how did she gain that knowledge? So that is, I, I feel like that's something that the show kind of has elided and hopefully they'll get into. Because, you know, she didn't have an Encyclopedia Britannica out there. Right. So, I mean, unless it was just like trial and error. Right. Maybe it was in the house. Like, maybe... It was underneath the skeleton. <laughs> the Trapper Keeper. Yeah. It was that and then all the bullets that they found. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. No Canadian hunter worth his maple syrup ever leaves without his trusty shotgun and his Trapper Keeper. <laughs> Jackie starts screaming, which I had forgotten what came next year. And I was like, oh, Jackie's screaming. Nothing good happens when that happens. And she's found a plane. She's found a small plane. That has been hanging out in the woods at least as long as uh, old boy has been dead up in the attic. Laura Lee uh, immediately climbs in and starts it. (laughs) Despite the fact that Van and Jackie are both right in front of it. And Jackie pushes Van out of the way of the propellers. And almost herself gets propelled to death. But Laura Lee manages to stop it in time. It is honestly a miracle you've all survived this long. <laughs> the fact that you that you make it for 19 months. People are like, oh my god, it can't be a supernatural thing. And I'm like, how else did they make it? They are idiots. <laughs> I feel like uh, Laura Lee, I mean, I, I feel like she just kind of has this like confidence. Like, she just has like, a, I don't want to say it's like an idiotic confidence, but it kind of is. It's like a savant confidence. Like, calmly, like, walk into any situation. <laughs> <laughs> and just like, she knows jesus is at the wheel yeah she's let yep. jesus taking the wheel on she's like jesus fly the plane yeah, yeah. jesus turn this water into maple syrup jesus <laughs> <laughs> well the first time i watched it my husband were like don't start the plane <laughs> like what are you doing <laughs> you're not gonna look at the manual you're not gonna like i don't know i mean first of all like there's no way it would start the gas has to be really old but that's all I know about planes. I don't know enough about planes, too. Right. It, it's kind of like if you left if you left a car sitting out for for years, you can't just like even if the tank was full, you just can't go and start it out. Like the lines yes. would all be messed up, I believe. This is also the most I've ever learned about cars. <laughs> you got to you got to angry them up a little bit. You got to restart them every yeah. couple. Tell yeah. me more. <laughs> that's it. That's that's all I know about cars and planes and I guess I assume any gas powered lawnmowers I think are the same thing. You got to like start them up every <laughs> once in a while. Get them engaged or they Like I kind of get like going in and like fl- flipping the the switches and stuff in the plane because you'd be like oh i wonder if this thing turns out not expecting that like the engines would rev up and stuff but be like maybe there's power <laughs> i do think that that is probably the most logical explanation yeah probably but it's still like i i personally would be like hey i'm gonna start poking around in here 
you all might want to move to a different location. <laughs> yeah, don't don't crowd a plane <laughs> like an old dead guy plane. <laughs> However, had they done that, uh, we would miss out on Lottie, who has uh, just spotted our favorite symbol carved into a tree nearby. Yes. Once uh, the near death experience uh, of the episode has been thwarted, she intones. It didn't want him to leave. And everybody's like, Lottie, quit it. (laughs) (laughs) You're scaring the plane. I feel like Lottie, or no, uh, Sammy has Lottie vibes. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, he's the antler prince. Oh. I may have to go lay down and let you. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Uh, well, because if if it, you know, this it that we've so far heard Nat's dead father and now Lottie refer to, like, could that have gotten passed into Sammy somehow? Like, I don't know what happens to it when when people get rescued, right. but I feel like. You know, it wants to go where the maple syrup is. <laughs> uh, New Jersey. <laughs> so back at this political fundraiser, Tice is absolutely crushing it with very like softball, like assimilationist queer agenda points. And Diane's like, wow, you're filled with genuine positivity. Nobody is. There's no limit to how far you can rise. And the only requirement for an endorsement is showing me who you really are. I'm like, oh, well, you whisper your secrets to. And I was like, I was all about Diane, like pretty much up until this point. I was like, what a fun job. <laughs> like you just give people money and they tell you stuff. Um, I guess that's also like just like being a psychic. Uh, anyway but she then is like so tell me what really happened out there and i love thais's reaction here she's just like why why should you get to have that because you're rich and powerful and you know diane then immediately turns into just another pussy hat wearing women's march attendee and she's like oh all of those racial gains and all of those gains for the queer community like i'm the one who did that so you better watch your tone and again i really like the scene up until she tells her to watch her tone and i'm like i don't think yeah that when she's tone policing her she needs to say the word tone i think we Right. We get it. We've all witnessed this interaction. And so Tanisa says that she will carefully modulate her tone as she tells her to fuck off. (laughs) Love it. So um, probably uh, we're probably looking at a a Phil Bathurst victory, I'm assuming, at this point. I don't I don't feel like I have a great handle on like the exact timeline of the series up until this point. But I'm like, it's got to be getting close. On, I think this is a patio at Bricks and Mortar where Nat and Kevin are talking. You know, they just, they had to clear the table. You know, they were so busy. Their server was like, look, you really have to go. Um, <laughs> you can't, you know, you don't have to go home, but you can't stay my, at this table. My manager's watching me. I got to turn over. My, my turnover time is too long. <laughs> There's this chick and she's just like pounding chocolate martinis. It's crazy here tonight. <laughs> So Nat gives Kevin the mixtape, which leads him to confess his adolescent love for her, which to me and per Carolyn's comments earlier, 
she's getting exactly the reaction that she was counting on yeah from him he goes in to kiss her and she has this kind of like mini meltdown about travis she says she's so upset that she doesn't know if he was loaded or not when he died like she wasn't his sponsor but like she just wants to know and kevin again of the you know apparently bottomless police favors (laughs) Uh, he's like, oh, I can just make some calls about that toxicology report. (laughs) So then Nat hugs him to say thank you. But it's just like, it's, this is so icky. Because again, Kevin does seem like a decent human being in general. I mean, apart from being a cop. (laughs) And it's just so, I can just see, like, you just see everything that Nat is doing. She's got enough guile about it. You know, that he might not notice, but it's just like, it's just never a good sign, dude, when you try to kiss somebody and they're like, oh, I can't stop thinking about this other person. (laughs) And he's dead. (laughs) (laughs) Like, because that's even worse. You can't compete with a dead guy. He's dead. (laughs) He won. Yeah. She's pretty obviously manipulating him. It's pretty clear. (laughs) Like... Because she like lights up when when he's giving her her, the police favors. I think there's such an interesting parallel between the way that Misty behaves with Nat and the way that Nat behaves with Kevin. They have varying levels of success, but Nat is so desperate for what only Kevin can provide for her in this moment. Misty is so desperate for what only Nat can provide to her. Most of the time, like, she's just like, I need your approval. Um, And, you know, Nat hates the way that Misty is. But to me, she's using those same manipulative techniques, but telling herself it's okay because she's got this narrative in her head. Like, it's not for me. It's for Travis, who's dead and apparently now is just like, can do no wrong. Yeah, she's trying to justify it. But honestly, uh, Nat and Misty have more in common than they think. Yeah, I definitely think that that's true. Uh, speaking of Travis, who can do no wrong, uh, he's doing wrong in 1996. He led them back to the crash site and Nat finally loses it and says that, you know, he doesn't have a free pass to be a dick all the time, which is a line reading from Sophie Thatcher that I love. We get his flex origin story, which is so stupid. I'm like this. Why are you so upset about this, dude? The plane crashed. Right. And you're upset because you had back surgery and a guy named Bobby Farley started a rumor that you had a rib removed so you could suck your own dick. Hey, nobody believed that, bro. <laughs> they just thought it was funny. I Oh, my God. You know, this, I, I started re- thinking about when I first started hearing those rumors about, like, like Marilyn Manson. Marilyn Manson, yeah. I think I heard them, like, kind of later on in the 90s. I don't know. Do people take it a little bit more seriously, <laughs> like in the the middle of the nineties? It's possible, but I mean, also just uh, you know, kids are stupid and they're assholes. I don't know. I just I feel like he makes such a big deal out of this when it is such a minor trauma compared to what Nat has gone through. Also, it's is Travis a year older than them great question i mean it would there was something that was said at one point that led me to believe that travis wasn't the same year necessarily and was maybe like a year older so i'm like okay if that's the case then you're like not in high school anymore and you're still mad about something in high school like what he does look older than them but he definitely plays it like he's 
at their high school. I kind of thought he was like younger. I I wasn't sure, like, cause uh, well, Shauna's a senior because she got early acceptance, right? Yeah, to, yeah. I think Taisa, Van, Jackie, Shauna. Um, I think they're seniors, but I, it's it's very unclear. And like, there's later information we get that kind of contradicts some of the information that we got previously. So I don't have a great read on who was actually part of the class of 1996. Okay. Well, either way, Travis needs to get over it. Yeah. <laughs> Suck your dick and get over it. If people generally thought that you could suck your own dick, they would be so proud of you. Like they would. Yeah, you would be a god of your middle school. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Girls would like you because they'd be like, "Oh, thank God, he won't ask me to do it." <laughs> really confirming his reputation as a guy who just can't let it go. Nat and we, the audience, realize that he's digging up his father's corpse. <laughs> and nat's freaking out she's like why are you doing this and he says his dad is wearing this heirloom ring and he wants to bring it back to javi because javi has been you know chewing that piece of gum i think he finally made him spit it out in the previous episode yeah, yeah. so he he can't even do this effectively though because he throws up because uh i don't know what you've all heard about decomposing bodies but apparently the stench is overpowering so Nat takes over. Neither of them cover their faces. They're like, we're just going to muscle through this. And she pulls out a knife and uh, cuts the ring off of Coach Martinez's dead hand. I assume she cuts off his whole finger. They cut away. They're like, oh, no, people's delicate sensibilities can't handle this particular thing. I feel like they found the hand really fast, in my opinion. I was like, wow, it didn't dig long. It should have taken longer for you to rob this grave. Yeah. <laughs> They hang out in a piece of the wreckage and they spark up a joint that Nat has. Again, I keep waiting for her to go through withdrawal in the woods. I feel like she's been established as somebody who's like an all-day substance user. And I'm like, when are you running out of your supplies, babe? You're going to be a mess. You're going to be an absolute mess. Nat asks if Travis actually can suck his own dick. And he says he wishes. So maybe you should just <laughs> shut the fuck up, Travis. Flex. That, that's why he's mad about it. He's like, I didn't even know that was an option. No, I'm mad I can't do it. We could have just done it while I was under the general anesthesia. God. <laughs> uh, Travis says his dad was shitty. His dad didn't even like him, which I I don't feel like Travis is necessarily a reliable narrator. We've gotten some hints that there was some strife in the Martinez family, but we don't have any confirmation of what that was. But the, the coach was kind of a, a dick to Jackie when he's like, you know, you know, I made you captain. It's not because you're the best. Here are all the ways you're not the best player on the team. <laughs> also, I made you captain for a quality you actually don't have. Right. <laughs> Travis is talking about his dad uh, causes Nat to flashback to the day her dad was calling her a slut. Her mom tries to intervene and he starts to beat up her mom until Nat aims a gun at him. Mm. And back in, in the plane with Travis, she says, no, no matter how bad a parent is, it still fucks you up when they're gone, which I've not lost a parent, but that seems like it's probably accurate. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, same here. I haven't lost a parent, but that seems about right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, both my parents are living. Um, I, I, I feel um, like it was like what he was saying was probably just like teenage angst. Oh, you know, it was a dick to me. Like what parent isn't a dick to a 17 year old or whatever? Like, I'm like, I'm pretty sure you were being a dick right back. Yeah. Travis. Yeah. So. 
Based on what we've seen from you. Great guy. Great guy. <laughs> Nat does kiss Kevin after he agrees to help her and then just drives off and washes up in her motel. She looks tormented. Um, honestly, I didn't see a whole lot of point in that scene of her looking at herself in the mirror. I was like, we get it. You're sad. But they had they had some Juliette Lewis B-roll. They didn't want to go to waste. Right. So. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Sean and Adam are on this overpass and she tells him to stop stalling. They take off their clothes because I guess they're going to jump into this river. I'm like, I would never jump into a municipal river near a highway. What are you doing? <laughs> You're both going to get tetanus. Oh my God. <laughs> like, you don't know how deep it is. <laughs> As she's taking off her clothes, Shauna sees uh, a flash of Jackie in her yellow jackets uniform saying somebody's going to get hurt. And she kind of shakes it off and then they jump in. They're toweling off at his truck. They start making out and then they do the most teenagery thing of all, which is have sex in a guy's vehicle. Back in 1996, Nat and Travis moving through the woods. They spot a doe and Nat aims the gun. And this is another one. They did something similar in episode three where they're kind of cutting back and forth a lot between what's going on in 1996 and some things in the past she's flashing back again to holding the gun at her dad and he's yelling at her he's like oh my little girl who cried when she shot a turkey um you're not gonna shoot your daddy also you're so stupid you didn't take the safety off the gun and he grabs it and he shows her he he flicks the safety on and off a bunch of times and he starts screaming like you're more useless than your mother he goes outside and then nat yells you're the useless one and then he comes back uh, to confront her and he steps on the gun and that's how his face gets blown off love it clearly none of this was nat's fault but it makes very human sense why she would feel responsible for what happened right i mean it's clear her mother still blames her for it definitely and with her mother's casting they made her in 2021 she has gained all this weight and it's just another one of these kind of narrative shortcuts I feel like they're taking with Nat where they're like, oh, like now her mom is fat and she lives in a trailer. And before this, she was thin and she lived in a trailer. And I'm just like, she didn't ha like she could have been fat before. Like, you don't have to, like, put this trauma on fat people. Right. No. P people are just out here living their lives. Like, there absolutely are disabilities that can lead to weight gain. But I feel like we see her mom so infrequently. And it's like, you didn't have to add this layer. And she's a hoarder. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, oh, yeah, she was in this abusive relationship. And that was terrible. But now she's fat. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. No wonder Nat moved away. Uh, be nice to fat people. Yeah. Hollywood. Just just a thought. Thin people can be unpleasant, too. Honestly. <laughs> uh, also, uh, fat people can be sympathetic. It's not hard. <laughs> Nat does kill the deer in the first moment of him really being kind to her. She's also forgotten to take the safety off the shotgun. So he takes the safety off for her, reminds her to breathe, and she brings the doe down. And it's just, it's so heartbreaking to see this intercut with her dad because it's like, oh my God, she just interprets any act of kindness, regardless of what has surrounded it, as being you know worthy of her time and attention and, and being something she should invest in because she has felt so unworthy of it or or so starved for it and it is it's very heartbreaking to me but i am glad she gets this win uh where she does bring food back because they bring it back while everybody's sorting through edible plants and jackie's like hey van is it cool that i saved your life one time so now you won't be mad at me anymore for how i almost let you burn alive in the plane <laughs> <laughs> 
Van doesn't answer, which leads me to believe, uh, no, actually, it is not okay. When, when you literally pulled away the person trying to save me, yeah, no, fuck you. <laughs> but everybody cheers when they bring the deer in, and Coach is like, okay, now we need to, to bleed it out. Misty's hand shoots up right. and just ignores her. And like nobody else volunteers, and then Sean's just like, oh, I'll give it a shot. I'll try it out. And so she slits the throat of the deer, and it feels like the rabbit chili origin story oh, yeah, to me. For sure. You know, this was her this was her first time. <laughs> yeah, she heard angels singing. But <laughs> <When> she <laughs> slipped that throat. <laughs> this is my true purpose. I feel like if I was slitting a, a deer's throat for the first time, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. I'm a little like squeamish, but I'd be like, okay, I'd put the knife there and then kind of like turn my head, look away and like as fast as possible. But she was just like, Let's cut into this like it's my birthday cake. Nice and slow. <laughs> make the moment last. All eyes on me. I mean, they don't have MTV. You know? Right, she's right. Like, this, is, this is our entertainment for the night, so I got to make it worthwhile. I like that she's <laughs> leaning in, you know? <laughs> I, I think Sean is the most fascinating character on the show. Oh, yeah. Me too. Yeah. I mean, they cast Melanie Linsky for a reason. Yeah. You know? If there's, like, a lead in the show, it's definitely Shauna. Yeah. I think that she is such a complicated person and all of her opportunities to cope with what a complicated person she is in college, like most of us, you know, she didn't have that. Right. She learned how to bleed out a deer instead. (laughs) (laughs) Which, while obviously appreciated by the group, we see everybody just eating ravenously around the fire. And I'm like, I don't know that I've ever eaten anything with as much relish as they're eating this unseasoned like charred deer right i'm like also i was wondering if they, there's any spices in that cabin like <laughs> right I, I would hope so <laughs> like and the, why is it so like it looks like it's like covered in a saw i'm like is it covered in blood how could it be like that juicy on the outside it looks like it's like slathered in barbecue sauce but it's not i'm like <laughs> why is the meat so wet on the outside <laughs> that was confusing me <laughs> Uh, Akila had a bottle of uh, her Girl Scout Council's special sauce <laughs> stashed in her backpack. Uh, while they're eating, Travis gives the ring to Javi and is like, oh, I just, you know, I just had this. I forgot. I just like spaced on this ring. I'm like, that feels like a kind of unnecessary fiction, but okay. Right. Coach gets up and Misty just trips him, presumably because he didn't, you know, pick her to be god's own special girl who got to carve up the deer or because she's really a lesbian and hates men i'm just saying oh my god i mean i'm just if you're gonna kick a man misty kick travis right right. and also all lesbians don't hate men it's just me um i'm kidding i'm kidding (laughs) kidding i think misty is definitely somebody that if she did have a kid like she would have munchausen's syndrome and be like making her kid sick and like her kid would be like on the saint jude's hospital commercials but like be totally fine like missy would take it to such a crazy extreme this is the second time that misty having munchausen's by proxy has come up so just it's just fun to hear what the group thinks you know (laughs) how are we all collectively experiencing this show (laughs) so our our final scene shauna's coming home from her date and she gets a call from an unknown number, but she answers it, which I'm like, okay, this is the most unrealistic thing that's happened. <laughs> and it's Misty. And she's like, Misty, I thought I told you to never call me. 
And she's like, yeah, well, um, everybody else knows that Travis died, but nobody's bothered to tell you. And she's smiling while she tells. She's she's so sinister. Loves to be useful. Well, you know, Shauna's not grieving somebody who committed suicide yet. (laughs) And Shauna looks genuinely devastated to hear this news before she hangs up. Misty's drinking out of a mug with Caligula's picture on it. Just FYI. I don't know if everybody else caught that. <laughs> that needs to be merch on Showtime. We all need the Caligula. Honestly, I don't know why they didn't pre-sell merch. Like, I know, you know, I'm sure that there's a lot of, like, financial considerations if you don't know if a show is going to be a hit. But it's like, you had to know that, like, the audience for this show would be like, give me literally everything you have. <laughs> we need antler clowns. Yeah. I need an antler crown. I need a varsity jacket. I need a Caligula mug. Um, I need chocolates with Oxycontin in them. (laughs) (laughs) Shauna goes inside and there's Jeff and he asks, how was book club? And Shauna uh, looks quietly desperate, which she does often when she's in her own home. And that's the credits. That's the end of this episode. Love it. All right. All right. So before we wrap up, some rapid fire questions for you too. Uh, we've already talked a little bit about this, but who who are we shipping? Who do we want to be together in cannibalistic bliss in this show? I mean, I already said Misty and Jessica. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, no, legit, legit pairing. I support that. But maybe like that comes a little bit later. So I'll just say M- Misty and Nat. Okay, Misty and at Nat. This point, cool. yeah. I'm actually kind of interested. Uh, well, uh, first of all, I, I also agree with uh, Mas- Misty and Nat. I feel, I almost said Masty. <laughs> like, yes. Yeah. Or Nasty. Yeah, it's nasty. nasty. Yes. That's the ship is Nasty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. I, I, Misty, she needs she needs some somewhere to funnel that energy, honestly. She, she really does um, for society. Ah, uh, is that what the kids are calling it these days? Uh, Shauna to me, I, I, uh, I'm very interested to find out, uh, what is going on with, with Adam. Mm-hmm. I, I want to know, is he just a red herring is what's his, what's his deal? What's his connection? I, I kind of have a theory that, uh, he might be like connected with, uh, it. Ah, mm-hmm. like a, like the personification of it. Yes. But not to be confused with the Stephen King no, no. novel, It, which is kind of similar but different. Pennywise, <laughs> um, season two is coming <laughs> to the woods. You know, there's also a theory that Adam is the bastard son of Coach Martinez. Um, his last name we discover eventually is Martin, which could be an anglicized Martinez. Mm. Um, huh. There's been nothing to really suggest that so far, but there's there's a very elaborate theory that Coach Martinez's family thing that he deals with in the pilot was that he was fucking around on his wife, had to go deal with, you know, his mistress getting pregnant, um, and then he died. So the Adam theory that I was subscribing to up until like later than it doesn't work is that Adam's not real. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that one. I, I, ooh, I, I never really bought into it because of the scene in the body shop. And also I thought I saw him make eye contact 
with the woman at the hotel desk when Shauna's trying to impersonate a Homeland Security yes. person. But as I say, every time we kind of start talking about the theories on this show, I'm like, I don't put anything past that. Right. Anything is possible. I heard, uh, I guess, Melanie Linsky said that uh, people have been saying that possibly Adam was the baby that she was pregnant with. <laughs> oh, right, right, right. <laughs> and I'm like... No, he's not. That's not a 25-year-old man. Like, Yeah. I mean, again, we don't know what's going on in those woods. There might be some kind of anti-aging uh, serum. If we're tackling <laughs> you know, cannibalism, me. why not incest? Why not? Absolutely, <laughs> right? Mistaken like, incest. Eat your heart out, HBO. <laughs> How do you two feel? I've seen some people be like, I really hope they don't go this supernatural route. I want it to be grounded in reality. And I'm curious where you fall on either side of that debate. I kind of hope they don't go supernatural either. And I kind of feel like they probably won't because they haven't so far. I feel like everything has kind of had a a logical explanation. I kind of want everything to be, I mean, it's okay if it's for a flash or whatever. And and then it's like, oh no, it's cause of this, you know, but Mm. I, I feel like there's so much there with, with trauma and being trapped in the woods together and all the strangeness there, that there's enough there. They don't need to bring in ghosts or goblins or whatever. I agree. We don't need this to be Lost 2.0. I don't need there mm-hmm. to be, like, I didn't even watch Lost, but I know there's, like, all sorts of weird things going on. Like, I didn't watch Lost, <laughs> but I could tell you right now I fucking hate it. <laughs> I do kind of feel like I, I watch this and I'm a little bit afraid, like, oh, what if they do go the Lost because lost the the first couple of seasons were just riveting. Like it's not even really my type of show. And then all of a sudden they just kind of got bogged down and all the supernatural and you know like kind of stuff and kind of abandoned it. And I that's what I'm hoping doesn't happen. My hope, and I know you know they have five seasons mapped out. Yeah. So if you're listening to this podcast, um, let's make sure we get all five of them. Just like put. Yellow Jackets on on your Showtime app or on demand. Just let it play. Let it play. (laughs) Um, Really get those numbers up because I got to know what happened. But Melanie Linsky would not sign on for the show until she knew what the story was, probably for (laughs) avoiding a lost situation. And for me, I'm pretty ambivalent. Like, I don't mind if they go supernatural. I think what will be the most powerful, though, is if they don't explain everything. Like, what if we never find out what the symbol is? Right. I don't see any non-supernatural way they could find out what it means, but I could see whatever mythology they create having a lot of power. So, I mean, I mean, again, I'm very excited to see what they do. I don't care if it turns out they're all ghosts and they've all been dead all the time. Like the soundtrack still slaps. (laughs) (laughs) This show has shown me enough that like, I'm pretty confident we're at least going to get three good seasons so yeah this this show's been much more of a kevin tan than a travis to extrapolate that metaphor (laughs) um okay final final question from both of you at this point so in episode three who do you think is the antler queen and who do you think is the pit girl from the pilot i think at this point i would say antler queen is shauna Mm -hmm. and pit girl i mean i i think I think pick girls, Mari. I, I don't think it's anyone too significant. 
I agree with you on Mari, although she's so good with the gun. You know, right. what happened? How they let that get away? Yeah. She- Everybody just forgot Mari could shoot a gun. Like, I, I thought it was Jackie because of the the necklace. But then shortly after I went back to watch um, the first one, I was like, oh, OK, that's actually not Jackie. The hair's too dark. Mm-hmm. Well, and everybody in that sequence except for Samantha Hanratty, who plays Misty. That's not the actual characters who play them at any other point in the show. So even the people on the show have no idea who's at Judge's Table. Oh, okay. Okay. Hmm. I've, I'm trying to remember the the very opening scene. I I kind of think it might be Bonnie, but I'm not sure. The Antler Queen. Who is Bonnie? Bonnie? Oh, am I, am I getting her name Maybe I'm not getting her name can, right. Can you describe uh, the girl her. with the uh, the scar on her forehead? Lottie. 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 I'm sorry. I Lottie. <laughs> I yeah. was like Bonnie. I, I got like old old timey names all mixed up. <laughs> I almost <laughs> yeah, it's like Hattie. Uh, <laughs> like yeah, I don't know. I don't know who's in the pit. Um, I think I think Mari is a good choice. Uh, I I feel like. Uh, I, I feel like she's going to have a moment in season two. If it's based just on appearances, Pit Girl is either Mari Lottie or Javi got long hair at some point and started wearing gowns. <laughs> yeah, it was that. It was that uh, youth serum. Yeah, just made his hair grow yeah. really long, really fast. I actually, I really like this Javi as Pit Girl theory. <laughs> yeah. It's a twist. It's a good twist. That's an original one for me. All right. So congratulations, great. Carolyn. You have given me scouring the internet for weeks an original theory. Okay. Hobby is pick girl. Hobby is pick girl. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you both so much for having this amazing conversation. Um, before I let you go, Carolyn, if people want to see more of you, more of your work, where can we send them? Uh, please listen to my podcast. Uh, it's called Diking Out. You can listen to it wherever you're listening to this podcast. Um, and you can follow me on Instagram at TGI Carolyn. And I post about my stand-up shows in New York. Awesome. Thank you. And Genevieve, how about you? Well, I am at Genevieve Rice on Instagram and Twitter. Where you can also find out about stand-up shows that I'm on, when I'm on them, uh, if this pandemic ever ends. <laughs> so <laughs> that's really the biggest mystery of all. Sometimes I think that I I love Yellow Jacket so much simply because I know that there is a plan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like hmm, 19 months, just 19 months, huh? <laughs> like, that's nothing. Yeah. <laughs> How many Tiger Kings have you guys had? <laughs> <So>. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you both so much. And looking forward to seeing if those predictions come true. Thank you for having us. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe, rate, and review Blood Hive wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to recommend us to your BFFs and frenemies however you can. Subscribe to Kelly Anakin's hilarious Patreon or make a one-time donation to Kelly-Anakin on Venmo to help us keep the content coming. Send a voice message to bloodhivepodcast at gmail.com for a chance to hear your Yellow Jackets hot takes on an upcoming episode. Blood Hive is a production of KA Collaborative. Our theme song is Eat Your Heart Out by Wolves. Special thanks to today's guests, the team at Cosmic Standard, and my own personal judges table. Last but not least, all praise to the Antler Queen. <laughs>